welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their communities and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. Happy August, y'all. I hope you are still enjoying your summer and any vacations that you've been taking. So the hubby and I just had a two-week vacation. We went from North Carolina to Arizona and then to New Mexico last month to visit family and friends. And while in New Mexico, I had the honor and privilege to finally touch and give big hugs to my Fox Media family, Sarah and Eric, and we sat down and had lunch together and had so much fun and laughed so much. It was so good to finally just meet them in person. So Fox Media is the media company that I am under, and I always see Sarah via Zoom. Eric's in the background, and he always makes me sound so awesome, even when I'm suffering (laughs) with allergies. But I finally got a chance to sit down and meet with them and just be with them. It wasn't even a meeting. It was just be with them in the moment in person. And it was so much fun. My husband and I had a really great time with them. And then we road tripped from Arizona to Alamogordo, New Mexico, to spend another week with family. And for two weeks, I did absolutely nothing. No work, even though I did have to answer one work call because the alarm went off in the office. And I guess because I am on the call list to call. But other than that, I did absolutely nothing. I slept in. I had quote unquote coffee with the grandson. I, he had oat milk. I had coffee and we sat and talked and I met all of his fairy friends, aka his stuffed animals. So shout out to Violet and Baltic. <laughs> so we just had a really great time. It was just really good just being intentionally. I did not think about work. Work did not think about me. And that is what vacation is all about. I had the most amazing spa experience in Scottsdale, Arizona. And when I say amazing, the most amazing spa experience in Scottsdale, Arizona. It was just amazing. You know, so we came back to North Carolina. We've been hosting family and friends throughout the summer. And it's just been, um, I know I say amazing a lot, but it's just been amazing. I have just really been enjoying this summer, connecting with family and friends, just enjoying this North Carolina heat. Y'all, let's talk about some heat for a minute. Baby, that three-digit heat. In Arizona and New Mexico, it's different than North Carolina and D.C. heat that I have grown up knowing because there is no humidity, but the heat be heating. And the Arizona heat and the New Mexico heat were even different. But that heat was heating, baby. 
But I am back home now and we are back to adulting. So from the Passionate Stewardship Podcast to you, I hope you are enjoying your summer and family and friends and all things that summer brings. Just backyard barbecues and kiddos being out of school, so they're home, which, you know, for some parents, it's not always a great thing, because, you know, they eating all the time and always home and not in school, but I just hope the summer is bringing you everything. So recently, I was asked about my leadership style. This is not the first time that someone asked me this question. I strongly believe that having a leadership style is crucial for executive directors, program directors. I even think that if you are a human service professional doing client-centered work or a social worker doing client-centered work or on that micro level or macro level, I still think you should have a leadership style. But particularly for anyone in a supervisory position, in my humble opinion, one of the most significant aspects of nonprofit leadership is being heart-centered. One of my Fox Media family members, Cindy, she has an amazing podcast and it's all about heart-centered therapy or being a heart-centered therapist. But I think the same can be said for nonprofit leadership. Being heart-centered, in my opinion, should be at the heart of nonprofit leadership work. Heart-centered leadership in nonprofit organizations is a compassionate and values-driven approach that prioritizes empathy and decision-making. So we don't put one above the other. They are one and the same. It involves a thorough understanding of the organization's mission, the community's needs, and the well-being of individuals. And when the well-being of individuals, when I speak of the well-being of individuals, I'm not just talking about the clients. So the organization's mission, that's your nonprofit, the community's needs, which is the target population that you are serving and the community in which your organization sits in and the well-being of individuals. Now, some might say that the well-being of individuals is your client population. I don't come from that space. The well-being of individuals is everyone in your organization from the top down. So that's your board, your volunteers, your external and internal stakeholders. So that's your board, your volunteers, everyone, your donors, Whoever touches your organization from the outside to the inside, so you are looking out for their well-being and interest and the well-being and interest of your clients. So throughout my career, and even now, and I often find myself with leaders, you know, who don't place the emphasis on the human aspect of our work, which is why I even started this podcast to begin with. So if you go back to maybe episode one or two that I talked about the premise behind this because I strongly believed that I had been doing this work for so long and I had 
worked under executive directors where the humanness about this work was disregarded when it came to the professionals who was doing this work. So this is one of the reasons that I not only started the podcast, but it's why I also started my consulting business, LC Consulting and Coaching. You know, as a nonprofit leader, I understand that funding, data, and strategy are crucial to financial sustainability and stability. However, without healthy staff, a positive organizational culture, and empathy for both our team and clients and our internal and external stakeholders, a fiscally sound organization would be meaningless. In my opinion, being a heart-centered nonprofit leader encompasses everything. Being financially invested also means being emotionally invested. As heart-centered leaders, we can't be selective if, you know, about do I invest or don't I invest? We must always be invested. If we are not invested, then why be there? If we are not invested in our staff the same way we are invested in ensuring that we pass our audit, then why be there? We have to be invested the same way. It's almost, and I think I've even used this analogy before, it's almost like when in human services work and in social work, when you are working with someone who is dual diagnosed, you cannot treat one without treating the other. For anyone who's listening, natural or dual diagnosed is someone who has a mental health um, diagnoses and it's also struggling with substance use. You have to treat one and treat the other at the same time. It's the same way. You cannot be focused on the financial sustainability and stability of your organization and not be focused on the health and well-being of your organization. So grab your notebook. It's time. Here are some critical characteristics of heart-centered nonprofit leadership. The first and foremost is similar to what we've just been talking about, purpose and mission-driven. Heart-centered leaders are strongly committed to their organization's mission and purpose. They have a great desire to create a positive influence and ensure that their organization actions are in line with fundamental principles. It's nothing wrong with looking at that mission and that purpose every once in a while, especially when you feel off-centered. Take a look at your mission. Are you following your mission and your purpose? Number two, empathy and compassion. Heart-centered leaders prioritize understanding and empathizing with their team members, volunteers, and the people they serve. They strive to create a supportive and inclusive environment that values the well-being of each individual. This approach helps to foster positive experiences, overcome challenges, and achieve shared aspirations. It's so important that you show up for your folks in good times and in bad times, that you are showing empathy and compassion Always. And as an executive director, I understand sometimes this is hard as hell. 
But even when you are sitting in your mess, or like I told Sarah earlier this week when we were talking, when it is a dumpster fire rolling down the street with boiling shit in it, as an executive director, it is your job to still show up and show empathy and compassion. The caveat to that is, as an executive director, you are also ensuring for yourself that you are practicing radical self-care. This is not to say that things are not bothering you. This is not to say that things are not impacting you at the same level, if not more, that it's, an, that it's impacting everyone around you. But you are the leader of that organization. So anything that's going on, your staff is looking at you to see how you show up, to see how you respond. So allow that dumpster fire with boiling shit in it to roll on down the street. You just stand by so when it rolls by you, you got some water or fire extinguisher to attempt to put it out. The next one, authenticity and integrity. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back who maybe didn't hear me. Authenticity and integrity. Heart-centered leaders prioritize the well-being of their team leaders through their actions, demonstrating honesty, transparency, and integrity. They cultivate an environment of trust and promote open and respectful communication. That one, I felt that one, y'all. You have nothing if you do not have trust. You have nothing if you are not cultivating an environment within your organizations where your staff trust you. You have nothing if your staff has no respect for you, you have nothing if you are not genuinely and actively promoting an open dialogue with your staff. You have nothing. And that is grounds for high turnover. That is the premise for the dumpster fire rolling down the street with boiling shit. They have it. The next one, collaboration and empowerment. Heart-centered leaders believe in the power of collaboration and seek input from various stakeholders to make informed decisions. They empower their team members, volunteers, and community partners, valuing their expertise and creating opportunities for growth and development. Look, a good leader a good heart-centered leader. There are several leading styles, leadership styles. And just because you are a leader, and just because you are a nonprofit leader, yes, the hope is that you are hired because you're good at what you do. And the person who hired you saw those great things. With that said, you don't know everything. So it is good to collaborate with others that are great in the areas in which you lack. I am great in many areas, 
but there are certain areas that I know that are not my strength. Therefore, you hire the right people to collaborate with you. You seek assistance from the right people to collaborate with you. You even learn how to do certain things that you know you aren't the greatest at, but you believe in the power of collaboration. And you reach out into your community partners because the thing is that nonprofits can't be the be all and is all for everyone. That's a dangerous position to be in. So seeking collaboration and empowerment is a great way to build the self-esteem of your staff. It's a great way to build community within your your nonprofit organization. It's also a great way to build community within the community that your nonprofit resides. Emotional intelligence is the next one. Heart-centered leaders are centered around their hearts and possess essential emotional intelligence, which helps them manage their emotions effectively. They are also aware of their emotions and needs of others and use this understanding to build strong relationships and motivate their team. And I think this is really true. I think this is spot on for heart-centered leaders, which is why this is here. I am an emotional person. I feel for people. I can be in the moment with people but I also know how to manage those feelings and emotions. I tend to function in the world that I try to put myself in that person's shoes when making decisions. I try to see both sides. I try to see the gray. I used to function from a place that it's black and white, but it's not always black and white. There is some gray. I try to function in that space. Now, sometimes things are just, they are what they are. Some things are just black and white, but sometimes there is a gray. But I try to function from that place because as a leader, there is this, there's this weight that's put on leaders and there is this expectation that is put on us that we have to hold it together. And I do. I I hold it together as an executive director because I know that I had people relying on me. And there's nothing wrong with that because I know I am practicing radical self-care in that process. I am aware of my emotions. I know when I need to take five. I know when I need to step away. I also know that I show up the best in crises. I probably could have been part of a crisis response team, like, because I am really, really good in crisis. So I show up the best and mobilize the best in those moments. So emotional intelligence is one of those aspects of heart-centered leadership that is very important. Next is mindfulness and radical self-care. We've mentioned it several times during this episode. 
heart-centered leaders who prioritize well-being and self-care are heart-centered. These leaders recognize the demands and challenges of this work and understand the importance of caring for themselves and their team members. By fostering a culture of well-being, they ensure long-term sustainability and effectiveness. I'm gonna be real with y'all. Sometimes things are just that busy that I cannot manage those that that self-care in that moment. But believe me, it happens at some point for me at the at the end of the day. But I encourage it. 1,000% for my team. After you, I all of my team members, after you deal with a client, step away. Don't go right into another client. When you need to be off, take off. Although I can't always, after I deal with a crisis situation, I can't always take that moment before going into another I do intentionally take that time at the end of the day to practice some very serious and intentional radical self-care. Rest is important to me. Shutting completely off is important to me. Putting my phone on do not disturb it in sleep mode is very important to me. Like these are the things and the steps that I take to shut it all down. And we as leaders of nonprofits, we have to ensure that, imagine if we didn't show up for our teams in that way. Imagine if we just allowed our folks to to deal with one trauma after another, after another, after another. And although I work in a DBSA human trafficking response organization it still can be said for someone who works in Department of Social Services or in a daycare situation. All of these environments have a level of stress. All of these environments you can burn out from if not managing things properly. So imagine if we just allowed our folks to just deal with one thing after another, after another, after another, and it compounded on top of one another. You have to enforce these things. And if you as a leader, if you aren't doing these things, if you aren't modeling this behavior for your staff, that's a problem. It's a problem. My team knows that I model the behavior that I want to see from them. I am, the communication is open because I want you to be open with me. The communication is brutally honest because I want you to be that way with me. I care hard because I want you to be that way with me. Model the same emotions, the same actions with your team, and it will be done in return. Next is long-term impact. 
heart-centered leaders who prioritize the heart of their organization not only address urgent matters, but also take into account the long-term effects of their actions. They engage in strategic planning, manage resources effectively, and conduct evaluations to ensure that the organization remains sustainable and continues to have a positive impact. Anyone who knows me, they know that when something happens, I stay in the moment only for a moment, but I think about what's next. Because in my mind, I'm already thinking about what the impact this decision could have on everything else. So what do we need to do in the in-between so that so the worst case scenario won't happen and we keep functioning in the best case scenario? The best outcome will happen. Because I know what could happen if we don't. I know, I know what the worst case scenario, I know what the worst outcome will look like. So how do we keep functioning so the worst case scenario won't happen? As a heart-centered nonprofit leader, please do not get it twisted now. It comes with its share of challenges and trust. It is not all meditation and affirmations, okay? It's a nonprofit. It's still a business. And people gonna steal people. Nevertheless, between your empathy, compassion, resilience, and strategic thinking, you got this, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) If you don't, get some key strategies to help you navigate the challenges effectively. So keep your notebook handy. The first one is ensure that the mission and values are clearly defined. A murky mission means a dumpster fire with boiling shit. Always ensure that your mission is clearly defined. Express the mission and values of the nonprofit organization. Having a clear understanding of the organization's purpose will assist you in making informed decisions and staying steadfast in difficult decisions and in decision-making. If something is presented, result back to your mission. If it is not directly impacting your mission, if it's not even remotely close to why you are serving and why you are showing up for the community, then don't do it. Ensure that you are cultivating a supportive culture. Promote a positive and inclusive culture within your organization that fosters open communication, collaboration, and mutual support. Establish a safe environment where your team members feel at ease to share their concerns and needs. Next, build strong relationships. Gotta build strong relationships. Create valuable relationships with your team, your board members, volunteers, donors, external stakeholders. Establishing trust and rapport will assist you in handling challenges more efficiently as you depend on their support and knowledge. Empower and develop your team. As a heart-centered leader, Fostering professional growth and development among your team members is important. Encourage their independence. Empower them to make decisions and delegate responsibilities. 
I think I mentioned on a previous episode, like while I was on vacation, there were certain aspects of my job that couldn't stop. So I delegated those responsibilities. A highly skilled and motivated team is better equipped to handle challenges and drive the success of the organization. Now, there are some things that could not and should not be the responsibility of some of my team members, but there are little things that I do that I could pet, I could delegate to others. Always practice active listening and empathy. It is important to devote time to active listening to the thoughts, worries, and suggestions of your team, volunteers, and stakeholders. You know, recently we had a fundraiser. It was a sip and paint at one of our local craft uh, breweries. And it was a fun event. Um, And when we got there, the instructor informed us that she did not have enough easels. So one of the persons, she had enough paint, enough canvases, brushes, she had enough of all of that stuff, but she didn't have enough easels. So one of the participants, she came, I met her, talked to her, but then had not even known, it were so many people, so I had not even noticed that she left until I got to work the next day. And she sent me this email stating how, how unprofessional it was that um, the instructor didn't even have enough easels and how she'll never be donating to the organization again and how she had already purchased her ticket. And, and although that stumped a little bit because she, you know, said those things. I listened, you know, and she, oh, and she wanted a refund. She wanted her ticket refunded. And I consulted with my staff just to make sure because they were manning the door. So I consulted with them just to make sure that, you know, she left and she didn't participate and all of this kind of stuff. And so they confirmed that she did not stay, that she did leave, but that she left without incident. She didn't say anything or whatever. So I kindly sent her a nice email, thanked her for coming out, thanked her for always in the past donating and providing support to the organization. And that I was saddened because this one event that was beyond the organization's control had turned her off from being able to support in the future. And I refunded her money, but I understood how it could make her feel that she was one of the first ones to purchase a ticket. And here she came and there was no easel. Everything else was available to her, but then no easel for her to be able to, in her eyes, paint comfortably. And so I showed empathy. I understood her viewpoint and I reacted with kindness because she sent two emails back to back. One of them was a little more nasty than another. But there was no need for me to react the same way with me to her that she did with me 
but then we would have gotten nowhere. Sent her the confirmation that her money would have been refunded, and I wished her well and hoped that one day in the future that she would reconsider supporting the work that we do for the community. And left it at that. And so sometimes, you know, when you're like me and my girlfriend say, when the old you want to react a certain way, sometimes it's not even worth it. So that's, you always have to practice active listening and empathy, always. So this one is probably gonna like say what? Be adaptable and flexible. Yep, it is, I said it. Be adaptable and flexible. Just because you are an ED or program director or in management does not mean you are exempt from being adaptable and flexible. As a heart-centered leader, it is important to be able to adapt to unexpected situations and challenges. Be open to change and flexible in your approach. You have to. I mean, we work in a field that expect the unexpected. You have all intent purposes on leaving the office at two o'clock, but then something happens at 1.45, and now when you look up at the clock again, it's five o'clock. So I think I gave the example back in May, I had scheduled to be off for an entire week, but a grant came open and I had to forfeit that time because I needed to be able to be home to write this grant and what I had planned to do on vacation would not have given me the, the space to write this grant. So you have to be adaptable and we have to be flexible. It's it's not always comfortable and it's not always suggested to do because you deserve your time, you deserve your vacations, you deserve to leave work early sometimes if you need to and if you want to. But as a leader, we also have to be adaptable and flexible. Seek external support and collaboration. Connecting with other nonprofit leaders through networking, attending conferences, and seeking mentorship can offer valuable insight, resources, and support when facing challenges. Engaging with a broader nonprofit community is important to gain these benefits. There are a bunch of ETs who get together on a call. Sometimes I think I talked about my ED friend who her and I, we have our once a month lunch that we connect together. My board chair is very instrumental in my life, in my role. So it is important to seek that external support. And last but not least, practice radical self-care. Y'all gonna hear me say that so much. So that's my business. Um, as a leader who prioritizes radical self-care and as a leader who prioritizes the heart, it's crucial to prioritize your well-being. Allow yourself time for radical self-care. 
activities, you know, radical self-care activities that aid in relaxation and rejuvenation and the upkeep of healthy work-life equilibrium. Radical self-care empowers you to lead with fortitude and empathy during challenging times. And I'm going to be real transparent right now. At work, we are going through something right now. We are going, going through something. We were hit with something this week that has kind of shaken all of us to our core. And so we are going through something collectively as an organization. And I'm so proud of the women that I work with because we are showing up for each other because it's not easy. And these ladies are showing up for me and letting me know, I got you. We got you and we're going to be all right. And we are going to be all right. You know, remember leading a nonprofit organization is a challenging task, but still by combining your heart-centered approach with strategic thinking and effective communication, you can navigate challenges while staying true to your organization's mission and values. So remember, radical self-care is health care. And if you need to reach me because you need help with this, all my information is in the show notes. Or follow me on Instagram because you know that's my jam. And kindness is free, so be kind to someone today. And I love you so much for listening. So until next time, be good to yourself and somebody else. Bye. Hey.